everybody and welcome back to Alcoholisms, the podcast about sobriety, recovery, and all things related to. I'm Tara, uh, one of your co-hosts, and as always, I am joined by my lovely dad, Dan. Hello. Dad. Hello. Hello. Um, Hello. Hi. So last week was a little bit of a sad episode and kind of off the beaten path of what the stuff, I don't know, that we usually talk about. Um, just a little update, feeling much better. That now that I've been 30 for a couple of days, it doesn't feel any different than 29. So, you had a big party. <laughs> I had a big party. It was a good time. Um, but yeah, all good. I'm feeling much better. Uh, I just had to have a sad day, as we all do sometimes. And, you know, life is back to normal. That's good. That's good. Yeah. But today, um, we've decided to talk about interventions. What episode is this? This is episode eight, I believe. Episode yes, it's episode eight. eight. Yes, we're on episode eight. We've almost recorded wow. 10 of these things. Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, um, I have personally had an intervention. Dad has had somewhat of an intervention, kind of. And, you know, when you're dealing with alcoholics or people, you know, who just can't handle alcohol in general, no matter like what their label is, interventions can be a very daunting scary thing to try to coordinate or even to sit through um from personal experience it's not the most pleasant thing Mm -mm. um so yeah so i just thought we'd talk about that for a little bit today okay okay yeah well i mean yeah to be an interventionee you know i don't i don't know I mean, it's, well, you can talk about yours if you want, or I can and jump into something if, if you want. I guess I, I can, can go ahead. Go I ahead. Can sh- go I can ahead. share mine if you want me to. Go ahead. Um, so I really only had like one major kind of sit down intervention with like several family members. It was like at three or four in the morning. I don't remember a whole lot of it. Um, but the intervention kind of lasted for a couple days because I had, you know, essentially run away from home. And and then one night my mom and my brother found me like bloody on the side of the road after having a physical altercation with uh, my partner at the time. And yeah, they picked me up from the side of the road and brought me home. And they hadn't seen me in like many, many months. I hadn't talked to anybody in a really long time. So they picked me up and they took me back to my mom's house. And it was this was at like two or three in the morning. And um they called you apparently because then you showed up and mm-hmm. from what i remember like no they didn't call me i just knew you just magically knew and showed up with yeah. magical dad powers yeah i totally mm-hmm. to- i totally get that mm-hmm. um yeah they sh- or dad showed up and i think it was i don't think my sister was there but it was my mom my dad and my brother and from what i can remember they were just like you can't do this anymore. Like you're really sick. You're really unwell. Like, look at you, you're bloody and you have a busted lip and like, who knows what the hell you've been doing for the last couple months. We haven't talked to you in a long time, but obviously you're not living your life in a healthy, good way. And you obviously have a very severe problem with alcohol abuse, um, or alcoholism. And we think you need to get help. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. Do you remember anything about that night in particular? Yeah, I, I remember about that night. And what I remember is this. I mean, we can call that an intervention because in a way, I guess it kind of was. But at least from my point of view, there was no point in trying to talk any sense to you at, at that time. I mean, you were bombed. You know? <laughs> There was no reasoning to be done at that moment, right? No. The only thing we could do then, we did talk about, you know, getting you into rehab and, and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, there were, there was no constructive conversation that could be had with you that night. I mean, you were bloody and drunk and, you know, it was yeah. just a matter of being glad that, that you were, you had landed, so to speak. And, yeah. and we could figure out what to do from there. Yeah, exactly. And like from, from then on, so after we had that conversation, I had like three or four beers that I had hidden in my purse and I went upstairs, chugged them, mm -hmm. passed out. Um, and then the next day, um, my little sister came into my room and I hadn't spoken to her like in forever. And she was really young at the time. How old would she have been? I don't know, 14-ish, like maybe? Like in no, middle school or something, 12. like younger, yeah. She was, yeah, she like, was, she was really young. And I remember 18. her coming into my room, and, like, she had just refused to speak to me for a really long time, for obvious reasons, because I was just very hurtful to everyone who was around me. And she was, like, obviously too young to process that or to, you know, take that on. And she came into the room... And she like, I remember got on her knees on the side of the bed and started bawling her eyes out and was begging me to please accept help. And I was 19 at the time. And, you know, there was something in the back of my mind that was saying like, I'm not ready. Like, I'm just not ready. Like mm -hmm. I, you know, this is just you know, this is just, this is just circumstantial. Like I was just with someone who was really unhealthy for me. And, you know, if I had a different life, if I had, you know, a career, if I had, if I was going to school, if I were doing this, if I, if I were doing anything else other than, than what I was doing, then I could control my drinking and <laughs> alcohol wouldn't be an issue. Even mm -hmm. after all of these two years had passed and I had proven to myself day after day after day, I, I hadn't been sober in a single day in two years, mm -hmm. not by choice, just by you know, my body physically just was going insane. Um, but even after all those two years, I was still like, you know what? I can do it. But to see my little sister break down like that and for her to show that kind of love to me sparked a little itty bitty something inside of me that was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe I can go to rehab. Maybe I can get help. Maybe I can just get out of this situation. And, you know, who knows if I'll ever drink again, but right now what I'm doing isn't working. Hmm. So that day, or maybe it was the next day, I don't remember. They all took me to the hospital to start mm -hmm. like detoxing. Cause I was going through like with like some sort of withdrawal symptoms. And from there I was supposed to go to their rehab center, uh, but they were full and there wasn't openings for like several weeks or like a month or something and y'all were like no no like we can't we don't have time she won't last mm -mm. a month like she'll be right back if we let her go tonight then she will be out tonight like drinking again so y'all knew it was like really imperative that i go to a treatment facility immediately so that's what we did we went like an hour we drove an hour to like this other rehab center and you took me and that was really scary hard thing to do but 
Yeah, mm-hmm. I went to my very first rehab, stayed there for about a week. And um, yeah, so that's kind of where my first intervention le- led me. But bottom line, I think I think bottom line about interventions is that they don't, and not, I'm not, I don't want to say they don't work because sometimes they lead to like really good things and sometimes they lead to sobriety. But unless you are a thousand percent ready to give up drinking and unless you are a thousand percent sure that like you cannot handle alcohol, then, you know, an intervention, family members crying and family members showing you love and support and all the things that you have been missing and wanting for all of those years, no, no matter how much you have of that, it's not going to make a difference. Mm-mm. No, it's not. And that's the thing that that night in particular for me, that's that's what was going on in my head. I mean, having been through what I'd been through and knowing what I knew about the way we alcoholics behave, uh, you know, and even when we took you to that rehab, I wasn't even optimistic necessarily, you know. Mm-hmm. I just knew it was the thing that had to be done. And you don't know where the bottom is at that point, you know. You just do what you can do. And at that point, that's what we could do. And that is all we could do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you hear about interventions, and I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a proponent or a, an opponent of interventions, you know. I mean, each circumstance is unique unto itself in a way, although, you know, it's all the same thing, but, you know, the relationships that people have are different. And just like with you, even specifically, my relationship with you is different than your mother's and it was different than your siblings and, and all that. So there's not a formula necessarily, you know, just like everybody else in all circumstances. For me at that time, I just did what I thought I could do, right? Mm-hmm. And then we just, you know, th- th- this is the kind of thing where you very much have to wait and see what tomorrow brings. And then you deal with that. You can't really make a, 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 a hard and fast plan at that point about this is how I'm going to get my daughter sober. You know, yeah, doesn't quite work that way. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Like if only if it were as easy as like everyone in your life coming together and pointing out the blatant truths in your life Mm -hmm. if you can't see those truths and you can't see or you're not willing to admit that like that's your reality then you know nothing is ever going to change yeah well i don't know how many interventions you might have been involved in i've been involved in a few and as i'm sitting here thinking without exception i believe the intervention e responded with hostility and, you know, overt disappointment in their, you know, friends and things for how dare you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it and it never ended well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I don't know is whether or not that event might eventually, you know, it plants a seed within the person and maybe that's a useful step along the path maybe that's something that has to happen um, in order to get that person where they need to be Uh but i would never go into an intervention type situation expecting you know too much because you know first of all you're dealing with somebody who's not being who's not behaving rationally right yeah and someone who if if in fact an intervention is called for then 
you know, they're not going to be in their right frame of mind or they're not going to be in a healthy state of mind. So, yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, more than likely, you know, their chemical bodily balance is completely thrown off by whatever, you know, substance they're taking or, you know, even, you know, even relationships and abusive relationships can cause like really crazy chemical imbalances in your body. So, you know, like no matter who you try to do an intervention on, like I agree with you, it's like you have to go into it. I think most like knowing one that your relationship with this person will probably be very strained afterwards Mm -hmm. because, you know, once you tell someone a truth and once you bring a reality Mm -hmm. to them, they don't think that they're living in that reality that you've just, you know, Mm -mm. told them. So they're like, you're crazy. You're overreacting. Like, I'm just going to keep living my life. And obviously, like, you think poorly of me. So I'm just going to completely cut you off. Yeah. Um, But I think, you know, interventions are a good thing overall in general. Like, yeah, it might not work out exactly how you want it to. But, you know, having all of those people around you and telling you something and like pointing out these things might make that reality like you might make you be able to grasp that reality that much sooner as opposed Mm -hmm. to nobody saying anything in your life and just letting you like live however you want to for however long you've been doing it no i agree i mean and it's not as though interventions aren't a real thing but to me that's that's more of a, a very malleable platform you know I mean, there are people in my life who I have chosen to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to coddle you anymore and I'm not going to speak anything but truth to you mm-hmm. anymore. And you get those kinds of reactions, like you said, because most of the time, I mean, seldom have I ever seen an alcoholic who was just coming to this point of there may be a problem here or everybody else around them sees it, but they don't. I mean, those people are usually... <laughs> not very receptive to, you know, having truth spoken at them. Yeah. And I don't know. But there is a point, though, where if you don't do that, then you're doing that person a disservice as well. You are doing the old enabling thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not necessarily good either. So, no. but I mean, it is, to me, it's a very case-by-case specific thing. And how I'm going to respond to somebody has everything to do with what my relationship is with that person and, you know, what the lay of the land is at the moment. You know, there's not a guidebook to go through or to go to where you can figure out when is it time to to say something. This is something you just have to do by feel. Exactly. You know, something funny that I've noticed. What? Alcoholics and people who are openly sober and people who are openly alcoholic or alcohol-free. It... (laughs) I don't know why this is, but we are the worst people to have a conversation with someone who is struggling with alcohol abuse. Like, Mm -hmm. because it's like they think we have an agenda in our head that, oh, like you're an alcoholic and you have a problem with alcohol. And like, you just, you just think anyone who drinks has a problem with alcohol and Mm -hmm. you're just overreacting and, you know, you're just being crazy. So that's Mm -hmm. something I have dealt with several times in my life. Like Mm -hmm. even people who blatantly Mm -hmm. have severe substance abuse issues, if I try to speak to them about that and not Mm -hmm. that I'm just like putting my nose in their business and just like telling them like, oh, you have this problem. But like if something they do affects me 
and I, you know, am speaking some kind of truth to them about their reality and how that reality mm -hmm. has affected me, then they think I'm a crazy person because mm -hmm. you're an alcoholic yourself. Like you just label everyone an alcoholic. And, you know, it's funny because like, yeah, it's going to make you feel better about yourself. Exactly. You else that way. Yeah. yeah, because it totally makes me feel better to know that other people are suffering. Like, yeah, yeah that mm -hmm. that that just puts a cherry on top of my day mm -hmm. every time. Yeah. Obviously not. Um, but, you know, it's funny. As soon as I got sober, I can smell an alcoholic from a mile mm -hmm. away because and, I and see big, figuratively figuratively. Yeah. I can't actually smell them. But I, I can see I can see them very, very, very clearly because mm -hmm. I am seeing myself in the past. And yeah. I actually have um, a friend who is now two years sober. Yay. Um, and I was at an event with this person and they were still like super active in their drinking. And I remember looking at Phil and just watching this person unravel and they were like everyone was mad at this person because everyone just thought oh they're just really drunk and like they just can't handle their alcohol or they're just a asshole or like they just had all these like opinions about this person because they couldn't stop drinking and mm -hmm. I looked at Phil and I was like that is an alcoholic I was like that that is me I was like are you seeing this person right here everything that they're doing everything that they're saying it was like i was looking in a mirror from like 10 years ago and mm -hmm. it was the craziest experience because i mean they were they were just in pretty bad denial about their mm -hmm. you know drinking even though their entire life and was falling apart around them and they were ruining actively every single relationship that they had mm -hmm. but it was just, it was the craziest experience to, to actually see someone actively going through that because, yeah, I mean, it's just so easy mm. to recognize someone with a substance abuse problem because, like I said, like, it's literally like looking at in a mirror, like, from the past. Yeah, I mean, it truly is, but that's not going to help you convince anybody. I mean, and that's the thing. No. <laughs> you, can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And... The person, let's say, who is engaged in their drinking, you know, they, they have an agenda as well. Their agenda usually centers around at that point, you know, how do I facilitate my drinking for whatever reason, you know. They, mm -hmm. don't, they don't admit it to themselves that clearly or that literally, but that's kind of what's going on. You situate your life and, you know, the conversation you have about yourself in your head around the notion that, well... I'm not one of those people who can't drink. This is just what I'm doing right now, and it's what I want to do. I'm making a choice to do it, and, you know, I'm not that. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's, that's the thing. I mean, that exact thought pattern goes in, or it's, it's the same for every person who's ever crossed that line. Mm -hmm. Every one of us have gone through that phase. And that's why we talk about... Uh, or in AA, they talk about that you have to hit bottom. I mean, something so terrible has to happen to you that you just can't deal with it before you're ready to consider, well, maybe this is the thing. Maybe, you know, these people knew what they were talking about, or maybe there's something to this. But it, it does take that. 
Mm-hmm. And until somebody gets to that point, I mean, it it's, it's up to them. I mean, there's nothing yeah. you can do about that. I mean, just like you, I can look at it. And if I'm around it long enough, it's easy enough to spot. Yeah. Right. And it's, just, and it's not as though it's just one thing either, right? Or mm-hmm. there's one particular way an, an alcoholic looks and behaves, and this is what happens, point A, and this is what happens. No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. You know, it's like one of those things that you can't quite define, but you know it when you see it, because you do, mm-hmm. for the most part. Is it possible that we ever might get that wrong? Sure, I guess it's possible, but most of the time we get it right. Most of the time. And that's just it. I mean, yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't convince somebody of it. They have to be convinced by their own suffering. Unfortunately. Yeah. And even, you know, one, I just wanted to say quickly, like, and we've mentioned this in past episodes, like we talk about bottom or like hitting rock bottom or whatever, but like your bottom doesn't have to be a car crash or something crazy. Like your bottom can just be something that impacts your life in a negative way. And you just like, you know, don't want to deal with with alcohol anymore or like alcohol is just affecting you in a bad way so bottoms don't have to be like this horrible terrible whatever thing they just have to be this event that wakes you up in mm-hmm. whatever way that is and just recognize that you know alcohol doesn't have a healthy place in your life anymore and the other thing is you know even in all of my experiences and suffering i've had people around me who know me who have seen me and watched me through all of those years go through these terrible, terrible, life-altering, universe-shattering things. And, you know, and some people that I know who watched all of this from afar now have issues with substances of their own. And as much as I wish that my experience and having them watch it for that many years, as much as I wish that, like, my experience could have woken them up in some way, Mm -hmm. it just doesn't, you know... And mm-hmm. I, you know, if, I mean, for example, like I knew that you were an alcoholic and I saw the way that alcohol affected your life, but I still did it myself. And even when I was doing the same things that you were doing, I was still making excuses like, oh, that's not me. Like, but, I but, don't do that. Hang on just one second, because that's an interesting thing. And I'm, I'm not sure if you're talking about you knew because I had told you the stories? Are you talking about from your own personal experience? Because you didn't see me drink very much. Uh, well, the couple times I did see you drink, like like we've said this before, I didn't see dad drink like often at all. Like dad was a very rare drinker, but, but the couple times I did see you drink, that person was not a normal human being. Well, I certainly wasn't the same person. Yeah. You were a a monster. Totally different person. Well, <laughs> I, I, was a monster. Some, no. I could be a monster, but no. I mean, it, it just radically it did all it, it alters my personality. You There's weren't no you weren't dad. That. You weren't my dad anymore. You were yeah. you were someone fo- completely focused on alcohol, and yeah. that that yeah, shift so. was enough for me to know that you know you don't act normally when you drink alcohol. Yeah. And okay. I did the same thing is what I was the point that I was making. As yeah. soon as I ingested alcohol, I became that person. I became someone who was focused on alcohol. Mm-hmm. But it no felt matter good. what, it did for a while. It felt really <laughs> <Yeah>. nice. <laughs> felt good um, until it, it didn't, and then it, and then it just felt horrible, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, even after even watching you those several those couple times, and you know, having 
you know, the knowledge about alcoholism than I did growing up, it still could not protect me against Mm-mm. alcohol. And it's the no. same for, you know, your loved ones. Like just because you've had an experience with alcohol or just because you can see the truth about alcohol in someone else's life, that does not mean that that person is picking up on that in any Mm-mm. way, shape or form. No, not at all. I mean, we don't want to let go of that. I mean, for a lot of reasons, you know. I mean, me, there's a lot of pride involved, a lot of shame involved. Mm-hmm. You know, I, for for years and years, I fought with, yeah, you know, this is, the, I'm smarter than this. I'm stronger than this. Yeah. You know, I am not that. But, you know, I was just doing what everybody does. Yeah. I just stretched it out over a, a lot longer than was necessary. <laughs> well, and probably because, you know, I didn't drink that much in the latter decades, you know, mm-hmm. of my drinking. You know, I would only drink occasionally. Mm-hmm. But even then, you know, I could tell as time went on, it was worse for me when I drank. And I used to hear those guys in the AA meetings talk about it being a progressive disease and it. Even if you don't drink for a long period, it's still sitting there getting worse inside you. And yeah, I could see that. And they would talk about, you know, you will reach a point if you drink long enough where that relief you got and that good feeling you got from drinking, you don't even get that anymore. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that happened to me, too. Yeah. Toward the end. And it's just you're chasing it. And it never, yeah. ever, no matter how much you drink, it never comes back. Even if you take a break, yeah, it never comes back. You know, it's, it, what does yeah, they call it? The, it's the insidiousness. It is insidious. Of this disease. Yeah. <sighs> but there are so many things that are so similar amongst us that have to experience this and why it's so hard and why intervention are, you know, a crapshoot at best, although they may prove to be a necessary part in somebody's path. But, you know, we all go through the same kinds of gymnastics that I described about myself. We don't want to admit to this. We don't want to be that guy or that girl that can't drink. There's something out there that we can't do or, you know, there's something about me that's broken or that's weak if I can't, you know, do this or, you know, it's going to be embarrassing if I have to admit this out loud to people. I just can't fathom admitting this kind of a terrible thing about myself. Yeah, or like all the things you think you're going to miss out on in life. Yeah. Like how, like how, how are you supposed to go from like drinking every day and having a life and a social life and like all these things that involve drinking, like casually for everyone else, but like for you, it's obviously a problem to having those same friends, being in those same places with the same people, working the same job, doing the same exact thing, but like without alcohol and mm-hmm. like more than likely, um, I don't know this for sure for everybody, but alcohol was my connecting factor to the world like alcohol was what made me feel comfortable to connect Mm -hmm. with anything outside of myself so to imagine having a life without that connector is just a very terrifying prospect Mm -hmm. and so there's all of those things going into like imagining yourself without alcohol and when someone or a group of people are sitting down and telling you you can't have this thing that you solely rely on Mm -hmm. to get through every situation you've ever been in the one thing that's comforting or you think is comforting you 
mm-hmm. and just like if they're if they're, it's like they're pulling the rug out from under you and just expecting you to like get back up like nothing's happened but in reality like your whole life has changed and yeah. you know i just feel like there ha- it has to be like that perfect lightning strike moment where you know you're in the headspace where you know there's a problem and that you've been thinking about giving up and all these people come together who love you and want to see you succeed and you know it's just like the angels are like and like shine down upon you and like if it's just like the right thing at the right time then yeah interventions can absolutely work but if there is any shadow of a doubt in your mind about you know or maybe you haven't even accepted it at all but if there's any doubt you know and this is again from personal experience like there was for me like I just wasn't ready to give it up well yeah you talk about the the lightning strike moment Let's see. I'm I'm wandering around on the side of the road. I'm sitting on the side of the road. I'm bloody because my boyfriend just beat the hell out of me, probably, or I got in a cat fight with him, and I'm so drunk I don't know where I am, and there's all my family all of a sudden. Obviously, they love me, and they're concerned, and they're worried, and they just want me to be okay, and all I want to do is get upstairs so I can drink this beer in my purse. That's exactly exactly what happened yeah so i didn't i didn't care what y'all were saying i was like i was annoyed that y'all were talking for so long honestly yeah shut up already (laughs) i just wanted to go my beer's getting warm (laughs) exactly (laughs) oh my god well yeah i mean but honestly looking back i am glad that i had that experience because you know any little seed that you can plant in someone's life about you know reaffirming to them that you know, you're abusing alcohol or your life is out of control or you are out of control or like this is not what life has to be like or should be like. Like anything that you can plant in a healthy way into someone's life who is in active addiction, I think is a really good thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I was, when I was, when I finally got sober and when I had to like think back to everything and right when I had decided that I was an alcoholic and that I could really not drink anymore, it's like there's this big inventory in my head of stuff that I was like, well, this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened. And like my family told me I couldn't drink. All these people told me I couldn't drink, like blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it definitely was helpful to me that yeah. that took place, even if it wasn't the night that I got clean and sober for the rest of my life. Yeah, well, if you're in someone's life and you're watching them destroy their lives with alcohol or something else and... Uh, I don't know, it depends on the nature of your relationship, but based on the nature of your relationship, you have to make a choice. And that choice is, what do I do? Do I try to appease? Do I, you know, just try to stay involved with the person? Or do I do the hard thing, which is tell them that this is not right, that you've got a problem, there's something you can't do here, and it's ruining your life, knowing full well that that might cost you a relationship. Exactly. That's exactly and, what I was going to say. Yeah, you have to make that choice. And, you know, I've I've played it both ways. And I don't know. It's hard to say what's right and what's wrong. It depends on the situation. But just like anybody else, I make an assessment and then I make a call. And that's how I behave. And I would like to think that I had the courage to do what I believe is right, even though it might cost me. 
And, you know, that's what I intend to do. That's what I hope to do. Something I thought of when you were talking about your experience, and it's, you know, a difference that we know exists between you and me. I mean, we had a very similar story starting at about the same age, coming to a, you know, a kind of a cataclysmic point at about the same time. But that's where our stories diverge, right? Mm -hmm. Things were bad enough for you that you got sober and stayed that way. But they didn't for me, right? Mm -hmm. So all the things that were relevant to me when I was in my teen years, for instance, and drinking and you know, you, you have those bad things happen and you try to imagine your life without alcohol and you can't do it, you know. As I went into adulthood and the drinking I was doing then, which was becoming more and more infrequent, infrequent, those weren't the issues that I was dealing with. It wasn't how do I live without alcohol? How do I, you know, how do I socialize? How do I make connections? It wasn't any of that kind of stuff because I'd already been there, done that. And I'd also lived, begun to live a life as an adult and have a career and a family and all that kind of stuff. So that wasn't the issue so much anymore. And that's another one of those things that if someone were to ask me to try to explain then, well, well what was it? I don't know that I could, you know. But by then, the part of alcoholism that lives inside you, that lives in your head, that tells you what a piece of shit you are, you know, that part was always there. And it had my drinking, my continuing drinking, had more to do with that than it did anything else. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, I just got tired of listening to it and you would drink for the relief, right? Mm -hmm. And then eventually that stops working. But as far as interventions go, I never really had one. Um, except, well, I kind of sort of did. But it, was, it wasn't a planned thing that anybody planned. And it, it just happened at the spur of the moment. And it was just one person. And interestingly enough, though, I mean, I, I had, you know, it, at that particular time, I mean, I was out of my mind. I was out of my gourd, you know. Mm. And I was either going to wind up dead or in jail. And someone said to me, Dan, you need help. And I'm throwing anger back and threats. Dan, you need help. You need help. And somehow or another, in my crazed, deluded mind at that time, I heard that. Mm -hmm. And there was enough part of me that was still sane enough to hear it and to, to process it that that was a turning point for me, right? That led me into the one rehab I ever went to, right? Mm -hmm. Days after that event, you know, because I had to admit to myself, well, I did admit to myself, this person's right. Yeah. And I need some help. And, but I don't know that that's the norm. You know, I don't know, I don't what know the that norm it happens is, that way for a lot of people. I don't know. I don't know any percentage. Maybe we should have looked that up before we started this. <laughs> but yeah, I don't really, I don't know the percentages or like what percent of, you know, interventions actually work. But I think what you said is so true. Like sometimes so you will tell someone something and they will be able to meet you exactly where they are. And something that you say to them might just be that spark that they need. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and the reason, well, there's no point in trying to look that up. We're not a statistics show, but I don't <laughs> think there could be, could possibly be statistics about that because no, interventions that. takes all forms. And once you yeah. do intervention, you're not reporting it to the intervention board and, and then <laughs> grading it from one to five. On you mean you didn't report my intervention to the intervention board? No, I didn't. I didn't well, report it. It wasn't a real intervention then. I'm not a joiner, but come to think of it, I mean, this person that did the thing that I just talked about who told me I needed help on that specific night had Mm -hmm. probably told me that before. In fact, I know they had, Yeah. but I remember it so distinctly because that was the time in my mind where the tumblers clicked into place. Yeah. So that's why I remember it that way. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, sometimes you hear what you need to hear at the right moment. And, you know, hopefully you have people in your life who are willing to tell you these things. Because, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm guilty of, um, of enabling people in my life, even after I've been sober, even after Mm -hmm. I see, you know, the destruction that's happening, I am still guilty of enabling people because I'm terrified of what will happen if I speak up mm-hmm. yeah and it's yeah. just such a it's such a hard place to be in like whether you're the yeah. intervention e or you're on the other side of it and you have family members who are loved ones who are having this kind of problem like no matter what side you're on it's so difficult yeah it's like my friend that i talked about a few episodes ago who kicked his son out and then wouldn't let him come in and sleep when it was freezing outside yeah. you know i've never had to show that kind of strength But, you know, this is an evolving thing for me, too. And I probably made mistakes with you in dealing with this. I did the best I could at the time. And how I've dealt with it with other people since then has been informed by what I did with you. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, well, and like you, I'll just continue to to do as as well as I can. Yeah, all you can do is your best, right? And, you know, no Mm -hmm. matter what that is. It's just, it's a hard thing, no matter what side you're on. It's a hard thing. It is a hard thing, but I don't know. To wrap it up, interventions, good or bad, I think, you know, mostly they're very good. And if you have the courage and the strength to be able to stand up to anyone in your life, then that's very powerful. And, you know, maybe that's exactly what they need to hear. And maybe it doesn't work, but maybe you've planted a seed that will grow into a beautiful blossoming sobriety tree. Like it did for me. Yeah, yeah. My tree is eight years old. And it's very yeah. happy to be here. Very happy in its 30-year-old self. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Stop. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, I think that kind of uh, wraps it up for us today, honestly. I think that was a good talk. Yeah, that'll it's be a- fine. What we've been talking about 40 minutes. Yeah, it's about that time. But yeah, I think we covered it all. Um, thank you guys so much again for listening. Uh, if you want to help us out, I would be super, super appreciative if whatever streaming platform you're on, if you could give us a rating and or a comment or review, that would be such a huge help to us to get us uh, pushed up into that algorithm. Um, and we also have an Instagram at alcohol.isms, alcohol.isms. Um, and you can go there and keep up with what we're doing. And if you have any episode suggestions, comments, or feedbacks, or feedbacks, feedback, I would be really appreciative. 
Why can't I speak? I would be really appreciative of it. I actually have had several people reach out and leave, you know, comments and, you know, feedback. That's been super helpful to us. Um, There was one person who said an episode was confusing and, you know, there was another person who, anyway. um, So yeah, anything you want to write us, um, you can do that there. Is there anything you, you would like to say before we hop off them? No. No? Okay. <laughs> well, thank you guys again so much for listening. I really appreciate y'all being here. And, you know, hopefully um, what dad and I are saying or we're just talking about is helping in some way, shape, or form because that's why we're here. So um, you want to say bye, dad? I am your father. That's okay. We'll just leave it at that. Okay, I'll see y'all guys next time. Bye.